My Seven Chakras, Episode 195. Mind is the master power that molds and makes, and we are mind, and evermore we take the tool of thought, and shaping what we will, bring forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. We think in secret, and it comes to pass. Our world is but our looking glass. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, position throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. So if you're looking for actionable steps that you can take right away to change your life, then keep listening because you are at the right place at the right time. Today's iTunes review is by a user who's named Megan and Sabrina's mom. And she says, I absolutely love this podcast. AJ brings quality content. He really understands what his tribe is wanting to gain knowledge in i check every day for a new podcast wish he could produce one every day so relaxing and peaceful to listen to action tribe and in particular megan and sabrina's mom thank you so much for being a true and true action taker 2017 is going to be full of more episodes more wisdom and more action and if you want your review to be read out as well make sure you share your views and your experiences in the form of an itunes review how do you do that it's super simple if you're on your podcast app on your iphone just hit reviews and then hit write a review. You can also use this link to jump directly onto the iTunes review page. The link you need is my 7 forward slash review. That's my 7 forward slash review. You see, one review from you is a giant leap for the show. So especially if the show has inspired you or made you take action, make sure that you leave us one review. And with that, we are now excited. We are now ready. And I am exhilarated to bring you our featured guest for today, who is here for the second time, Mark Allen. So Mark, are you ready to inspire? Uh, I'm ready, AJ. Thanks for all you do. Wonderful. So Mark Allen is an internationally renowned seminar leader, entrepreneur, author and composer. He co-founded New World Library with Shakti Gawain in 1977 and has guided the company as president and publisher from a small startup to its current position as a major player in the independent publishing world. New World Library has published some of the most sought after and best-selling books such as The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra and Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain. Mark leads seminars in North California and offers online teleseminars that reach people all over the world. He has written several books, including The Greatest Secret of All, The Millionaire Course, Visionary Business, and so many others. He's also recorded several albums of original music, including Breathe, Petals, Quiet Moments, Soul of Light, and his latest, Awakening. Now, as I mentioned earlier, if you haven't listened to the first episode with Mark, then make sure you visit my7chakras.com forward slash 71. And if you already have, then let's continue where we left and as we dive deeper into the fascinating topic of creative visualization. And it so happens that Mark Allen and team are celebrating the 40th anniversary of the best-selling book, Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain. So Mark, thank you for joining us today. 40 years is a long time, right? How does it feel? Oh, it, it's amazing. <laughs> it's been 40 years because time flies when you're doing what you love, I guess. Uh, it's, it's incredible to me. It it feels it doesn't feel that long ago. I remember so vividly the little startup in our little kitchen and uh, the first little edition of Creative Visualization. And it doesn't seem like 40 years ago. Beautiful, beautiful. Love what you said. Time just flies by when you're doing what you love. And so let's start our show with some magical inspiration with the help of an inspirational quote. Now, the last time around, you shared with us this really powerful quote, to offer no resistance to life is to be in a state of grace, ease, and lightness, which I thought was a phenomenal quote. What quote do you have for us today? Mm. I have quotes all over my walls, on my doors, in my home office, in my 
office at New World Library. And then there's things that I've memorized. Like one of my favorite things is the opening of As You Think by James Allen. And it's a little poem. And it's almost in, there's a Tibetan Buddhist tradition of books where if you can understand the title, you don't have to read the book. Mm -hmm. And then it opens with a little short poem. And if you understand the short poem, you don't have to read the book because it's all in that short poem. So as you think, a beautiful, complete spiritual path in itself is contained in this poem. And the poem is simply, mind is the master power that molds and makes. And we are mind. And evermore we take the tool of thought and shaping what we will bring forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. We think in secret, and it comes to pass. Our world is but our looking glass. Wow. I think that's powerful. The mind is the master power that molds and makes action drive. And my question to you is, what do you want to mold today? And what do you want to make? Because as we're going to learn, there is a creative force within you that is yet to be tapped. And we're going to talk about some of the strategies and techniques that you can use to tap into that creative power that will help you mold and make your universe. So with that, let's dive in. Now, Mark, the book Creative Visualization is probably the most popular book for anyone who wants to attract the life of their dreams, a book that talked about the law of attraction way before The Secret became popular, which has sold over 7 million copies worldwide till date. What was the story behind the release of this book? Could you give us some background and context? Sure. I met Shakti Gawain when she was 26 and I was 28 and we were in Berkeley, California and we called ourselves, we both called ourselves workshop junkies. We went to all these different workshops and seminars and things. <laughs> and uh, I met her there and we spent a year on the staff of this man named Ken Kais Jr. who'd written a book called Handbook to Higher Consciousness. And he gave these amazing weekend workshops that we were involved with and We loved and we learned all these things. Shakti had traveled around the world before that and had spent a year in India. And I had been at a Tibetan center for three and a half years, a Zen center for six months. And we both had these very different spiritual paths. And then after we left uh, working with Ken, we were going to assist this guy doing a a five-day workshop. That ended on New Year's Eve, and uh, he was paying us. We had no money or anything, no jobs or anything. (laughs) And so Shakti was supposed to cook, and I was supposed to just assist him and hand out things. And and he announced that he got 25 people coming in from all over the country for this four- or five-day thing. And 10 minutes before it, in the kitchen, he just said, I can't handle this. And he walked out the back door. And so Shakti and I looked at each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and said, well, we might as well give it a shot ourselves. The, uh, you know, in a worst case scenario, they'd want their money back or something. So that's how we led a four or five day workshop. We never would have had the chutzpah or the, the courage to, to do it ourselves. I was 28. Mm-hmm. She was 26. But we led it because they were there and uh, we found a wonderful thing. It wasn't really that much what we did. The people were there taking a break from their ordinary lives for mm-hmm. four or five days. They were ready for an experience. We just provided the space. So we threw in everything we'd learned from all our different workshops, all kinds of meditations, visualization, the pink bubble technique, treasure mapping. We had people make big maps on paper, everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, between each session, I would literally run upstairs and type up what we had done so that people would remember. They left. Right. They had a pile of about 30, 35 pages of notes that we made copies of really quickly. And it was stapled. And we started selling them for $2 each. And I, uh-huh. I literally looked up book and published in a dictionary to say to see if I had published a book. And it turns out I had a book is about anything with a spine of some kind, even staples will do. Uh, yeah. You know, it's very open and publishing is anything. It's just making public. If you print two copies of a book and give one to your mom, you've technically published it, you know? So, Absolutely. so I, 
I went to a distributor and, and learned about distribution. And he said, well, the book needs a spine and a cover and it needs to be typeset. And then, so I did that. I had been a typesetter. I'd learned how to typeset at the Tibetan center I was at. And uh, so we had our first little book. And uh, then I wrote another one on astrology called Astrology for the New Age, which is available as an ebook because I'd been an astrologer part-time in my 20s too. Mm-hmm. And then Shakti wrote Creative Visualization, where she took the exercises from that course that I had summarized in the first little book she summarized it in her own way and where my first little book called reunion tools for transformation sold maybe 12,000 copies over the next 10 or 15 years. She wrote creative visualization with the same content and it, it still is selling to this day. It's probably over 10 million now worldwide. And the reason it's so successful is because it was so simple. It's written, when I first read it, I thought a fifth grader could read this. Mm -hmm. It's written in such simple language, and she makes everything so simple. And what I've realized over the years, the older I get, the simpler I see it. And one of our biggest obstacles when we hear the simple truth, really simple things, is part of the part of our mind that goes, oh, it can't be that simple. It's more complicated than this. You're dealing with mm-hmm. subconscious mind and the complexity of your brain and uh, all these things. It's not that simple. Well, I've learned it is that simple. And creative visualization puts it that simply. It just opens with the simplest little statements and continues all the way through. It's, it says creative visualization is the art of using mental imagery to attain what mm-hmm. we want in our life. There is nothing new are unusual about creative visualization. We're using it every day, every minute, in fact, visualizing all the time. It's just that most of us spend our time visualizing, spend far more time visualizing what we want for lunch or dinner than we visualize what do we want to do with our lives. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Beautiful. So thanks a lot for sharing. You said that it all started, uh, you, were, you were 28, Shakti was 26, and you were workshop junkies. I love the term. You were workshop junkies in California. And you were, you were staff, I believe. You, you spent a year as a staff of this person named Ken who had a, a book published. And he was hosting a workshop, a five-day workshop, where people were flying down from all parts of the world to attend this workshop. And... Uh, just 10 minutes before the workshop started, he walked off. So there was like a crisis right. mode it, and that, you it, had to give it a actually shot. <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't Ken that did that. It was another guy we were. Oh, God. But I, and I better not say his name because, you know, he, he's, when I look back on it, he launched our career. He, yes. you know, I, I have to thank him for not doing that workshop because yes. uh, it went so well. Other people set up other workshops and it launched Sha- especially Shakti's career as a seminar leader. She turned out to be brilliant wow. at it and it launched my career as a writer and publisher. Absolutely. So the people were there, they were ready and you and Shakti just took action and then you transcribed the notes, started selling yeah. them at $2 per copy right. and you weren't a publisher, right? You, you did not know much about publishing no. but you went to a distributor, you took the minimum viable product and he gave you some next steps on how to make it publishable in inverted commas and then you just, uh, you know, uh, boldly, uh, both you and Shakti uh, went forth. Now, my question is, did you ever doubt yourself or have sort of like an imposter syndrome sometime during this phase about, you know, who am I to do this and make an influence in the world? Because I've seen a lot of people, uh, leaders and influencers, go through sort of like the imposter syndrome. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I had all kinds of doubts and fears. And I think we all do. As I said, the older I get, the simpler I see it. I think there's really just two essential things okay. to do. The first is to dare to dream. To really ask yourself, what do I want to do with my life? Do I have some kind of calling? Is spirit guiding me? Or whatever words you want to find. What do you dream of doing? And to really dare visualize that. Imagine it. To really dare to dream. That's the obvious first essential step. You've got to have the dream. The next essential step is dealing with the doubts and fears that inevitably arise in all of us. Mm -hmm. As soon as we dare to dream of doing something, especially if it's something new or something expansive, something that puts us out there in any way, whatever it is, 
if we dare to dream, doubts and fears will arise. And dealing with them then is the other essential step. And there's all kinds of ways to deal with doubts and fears. A lot of our work is showing people first how to dream, then how to deal with those doubts and fears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So two essential steps, like you mentioned, dare to dream action tribe, visualize uh, and use some of the different techniques of creative visualization so that you can lay the path. And then as soon as you do, you'll have these doubts and fears that arise, but you have to do some inner work to deal with those doubts and fears. So Mark, could you talk to us about some of the results that you've seen over the years with the help of creative visualization? How have these techniques impacted your life? Oh, I mean, I get miracle stories just constantly, constantly. And in terms of my life, it was really not until I started teaching those workshops at 28. We did a few things, and and it wasn't really until my 30th birthday that okay. that I that I ended up making a plan. I woke up in a state of shock, realizing I wasn't a kid anymore. I had no job. I had no income whatsoever. I had no family support. I was scrounging, a word we used all the time, to come up with $65 a month rent in this very funky, funky one-room apartment in Oakland, California, not a nice part of Oakland. It had bars on the windows, mm-hmm. place you would not want to raise a kid or anything. And I, when I had my 30th birthday, that I woke up there in a state of shock. I spent most of the day pacing back and forth. I realized I could not have a party. I had to think about my life. And that was the first time I really took that long-range view. That's the beauty of shows like this that you're doing or any kind of you know good seminar or a good book. Gives us time to step back and take the long-range view rather than wake up and immediately go into the details of our life. I spent most of the day really looking at my life and asking myself, what did I want to do with my life? And I actually remembered a little game I'd played during a back to the land experiment I did when I was about 22. That was about a five month cold, wet disaster. I didn't last. I left. But but one one night there, we were sitting around a fire and this Mm -hmm. couple said, let's play a game we played at church camp. Let's imagine five years have passed. And everything has gone as well as you could imagine. What would your life look like? And we all went around the fire and said something. I had no memory of what I said. I was 22 at the time. I've really tried to remember what I said. I had no memory, so it had no impact in my life. But when I turned 30, I remembered that game. Mm -hmm. Only this time, I took a sheet of paper and I wrote ideal scene at the top. And I imagined I was 35 and living my ideal life. What did it look like? Mm -hmm. And, And much to my amazement, what spilled out was I have this successful publishing company that cruises along without too much effort from me. I write beautiful books that have an impact in the world. I record beautiful music that people love. I live in a beautiful home on a hill in in a beautiful part of the world. Of course, as soon as I started this, all these doubts and fears just assaulted mm. But And then I added at the end what might be my unique contribution to humanity so far anyway is I said, oh, and I have, thinking of my deal, I have a life of ease. I don't work too hard. I only work when I feel like it. I do everything mm. in an easy and relaxed manner in a healthy and positive way. A phrase I got from Catherine Ponder, a Unity Church minister who wrote some books in the 70s that I read. Mm-hmm. That became my ideal. I wrote it down. To this day, I just teach that process. Dare to write your ideal scene five years in the future. Then make a list of all your goals. I Then I took another okay. sheet of paper. I listed all my goals. I had like 12 of them. Start a publishing company. Start writing books. Start recording your music. Start learning about real estate. It was all start because I had nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Then I took another sheet of paper, even though doubts and fears were just assaulting me. I, I started listing each goal as an affirmation. I'd learned all about affirmations in my seminars and and from Catherine Ponder books. And I wrote, I am now, I wrote it as if it's happening in the present. I wrote, I am now creating a successful publishing company. I am now writing some wonderful books that change the world. I am now recording beautiful music. I put it all as an affirmation and started to affirm it. Doubts and fears just nearly overwhelmed me. I was pacing Mm -hmm. up and down, 
They said, way too much, Mark. You want to, I, I remember vividly everything, yeah. even though this was 40 years ago. I remember them saying, way too much, Mark. You want to start a company and write books and get into music and real estate. <laughs> way too much, Mark. Just pick one thing and focus on that. Focus, right? Focus on one focus thing. Focus on one thing. Yeah, that. <laughs> doubts and fears can be very reasonable and realistic. And, mm -hmm. But I just knew whatever I picked, they'd just shoot that one down. Oh, yeah, right. You know nothing about starting a business. You know nothing about, you know, who are you to say you could write a book that'll change the world? But whatever it was, right. you know, they'd just shoot it down. So I, I ended up arguing with my doubts and fears. I think I was even arguing out loud. I don't remember. I just remember I was pacing back and forth. My cat thought I had gone nuts. My cat, I remember, was sitting in the corner looking <laughs> at me like, what is this guy doing? You know, because I was pacing back and forth, talking to myself. Yeah. And, and I ended up, I remembered somebody had told me about this amazing visionary inventor named Buckminster Fuller in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And they had seen him and seeing him talk changed their life. They said he, there was nobody like him. And he, they said Bucky Fuller had come to, this is all I knew about him, is that he'd come to a decision in his 20s to either commit suicide or look at his life as this totally unique experiment. And fortunately, he chose the experiment. And as he went around speaking in the 60s and 70s, he looked back on what he called a 50-year experiment. So I latched onto that word, that one word, with my doubts and fears. My doubts and fears kept saying, oh, this is way too much. You'll never do it. You're... Mark, you haven't succeeded in anything. You got no money. How, you know, you have this huge dream. Forget it. Waste of time. Everything. And I said, and they said, and you want to do it in an easy, relaxed manner. That's impossible. You can't start a business in an easy, relaxed manner. It's very stressful. You've got to work 60 hours a week yeah. on a startup. And I had all this. And I said, wait, doubts and fears. Look, let me try this as an experiment. Right. I said, give me a year or two to really try to go for all of these goals, start a business, start writing a book, start doing music, start learning about real estate, do it all in my own lazy way. Because I'd, I'd been a musician through much of my 20s too. Yeah. And I love musicians' hours. You never did a thing until one in the afternoon. Never. <laughs> yes. So I love those hours. I'm not a morning person. I never was even as a kid. So I, yes. so I said to my doubts and fears, let me try this experiment. I'm going to go for my dream, but do it in my own lazy way, in an easy, relaxed manner. They said, absolutely won't work. Impossible. Mm. And I said, well, if it doesn't work, I won't be any worse off than I am right now. I had no right. job. I had no income. I had no money. I had no family support. said, it can't get much worse. Even my Dawson Fierce had to admit, well, yeah, it, it can't get much worse. So I said, so, okay, this is a worthwhile experiment. I am going to do this experiment, doubts and fears. Quit bugging me for a year. I'm going to mm -hmm. do this. I'm going to see what happens. And that's what I started. That day, I grabbed the yellow pages and I started looking around and see how the heck to start a business. And the next day, actually, I got to it. That day was my birthday. But oh, okay. But that's when it all started. And just latching onto that concept of looking at your life as a unique experiment is what, for me, really overcame a huge amount of doubts and fears. Then, looking back on it years later, I realized just repeating the phrase over and over and over thousands of times in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy and positive way, sometimes I'd add, in its own perfect time, for the highest good of all. And I'd you know, I am now creating a successful business. I am now writing a book that changes the world. I, as I affirm those words, when I look back, affirming easy, relaxed, healthy, positive, I think overcame a huge amount of doubts and fears in itself. Because mm -hmm. what are our doubts and fears? It ain't easy. It's hard. It's really hard. It's difficult. Well, if you keep affirming it's easy, that completely counteracts that. It's not relaxed. You can't start a business and be relaxed. It's stressful. Yeah. That's what our doubts and fears. It's stressful. Life is hard. It gets down to deep core belief. Is life hard? Is life a struggle? Is it hard to succeed? Or can it be done in an easy, relaxed manner? 
I found if you just repeat, I found the power of affirmations. What are all these deep beliefs, all these negative core beliefs? Yeah. Where did we get them? People told them to us. Their words, people said, often with emotion behind them. But we heard from our parents and from school and from friends and from media. Yeah. You know, life is hard. Life is a mess. The world's a mess. And it's getting worse all the time. That's the core belief of many, many people. Well, I learned from Ken Kais when I was 28, that year I supported him in workshops. He understood a beautiful thing about our deep underlying beliefs that he understood our beliefs are not true in themselves. Many people have very different sets of beliefs about the world and about time and money and themselves and everything else. Our beliefs are not true in themselves, but they become true in our experience if we believe them. So then they reinforce themselves. But we can change our beliefs. And he gave us this simple little process he developed or gotten somewhere, I don't know. But in our weekend workshops with him, we would spend Sunday afternoon on this process. He called the core belief process. Mm. And maybe I went over it in our last interview. I don't remember, but but it's a great way. It's in several of my books. It's a great way to overcome so many of those doubts and fears. In fact, I can whip through it in a minute because it's sure. just, well, maybe a few minutes because it's just answering eight questions. Eight questions. It's called the core belief process. First question, what's the problem? I've done this hundreds of times with hundreds of people over the year. We, we, over the years, we can easily get into what the problem is. All oh, the problem is, I'll even use an example. I started my company at 30. I knew nothing about business or money or anything. By 35, I was nearly bankrupt. My company had nearly collapsed because our distributor had collapsed that sold our books. And we had creative visualization out then, so we had uh, something selling. But they hadn't paid us in six months of right. distributing our books. I was deeply in credit card debt, 65000 in credit card debt. And this was the early 80s. So this is yeah. like 150000 in today's dollars, I'm sure. It, I was on the verge of bankruptcy. And that's when I remembered, oh, I need to do this core belief process. So one, what's the problem? Well, I was nearly bankrupt. Okay, that's easy. Two, what are you feeling physically? Just really scan your body and, oh, my neck and shoulders are really uptight. My stomach is churning with anxiety. Okay. Three, what feelings keep arising? And you just name the feeling. Just name it. Just, oh, I feel frustrated. I feel anxious. I I feel fearful underneath it. Okay, mm -hmm. just name the feeling. Then four, we used to say, what tapes are running in your head? But it's basically like one, what's the problem? But just what are those recurring thoughts that you're going over and over and over? Ninety-some percent of our thoughts are absolutely repetitive. What repetitive thoughts? Well, I was going on and on. I uh, We have these problems. I'm nearly bankrupt. I'm not making enough to cover minimal payments on credit cards. The company hasn't mm -hmm. been paid in six months. This is a total mess. I don't know what to do. Uh, do you just go over and over and get those out? Get Express them out loud. What, what are all these thoughts running? Then five, a great question. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I could go bankrupt. If that happened, what's the very, very worst thing that could happen? I ended up saying, well, I could die a drunken bum in the gutter slowly and painfully and no one would notice or care. That's the worst case mm. scenario I came up with. And it makes you kind of chuckle because you do realize chances of the worst case scenario coming true are very rare. Right. You know, but it's there. That fear is there. That fear can affect our judgment. When we make decisions based on fear, they're not the best decisions. So you just open the door to your fear. You look at fear. You look at everything. You look at every feeling. There's nothing to reject. There's nothing to hide. You just scan your body, scan your emotions, and just become aware of exactly what's going on. There's no blame or anything. You're just seeing what is. And accepting what is okay i feel fearful right now i feel i'm scared i'm frustrated it makes me irritated okay mm -hmm. you look you look at those fears okay you acknowledge that yes those fears are there i've been 
running those fears for a long time. And I think it's affecting my health. I think it's affecting how I feel in my stomach. And, okay, then six. Then you ask, what's your ideal in this? What's the ideal scene for this problem? What's the best thing that could happen? We looked at the worst. What's the best? I have done this, as I said, hundreds of times, literally, with hundreds of people over the years. Mm-hmm. Every one of us can launch into the worst case scenario immediately, you know. So true. When we're asked what's the best thing that can happen, almost every one of us pauses and goes, uh, hmm, let me think. <laughs> and, it, yeah. and we all, it shows us, we've been focusing on the worst case scenario way more than the best case scenario. In fact, in some cases, we've barely thought of the best case scenario. We've just sort of been thinking of, well, maybe, maybe I can do this to overcome the problem. But we haven't stepped back and said, what is my ideal scene in this process? What's the best thing that could possibly happen? Wow. And so when I asked that, I thought, well, gee, uh, I could get a better distributor, a new distributor that pays on time. Right. And our books could start selling better. And I could start making a profit that's enough to wipe out my debt. And then, in fact a profit that's enough to have a well-balanced investment portfolio and a successful company. That's the best case scenario. Okay. You look at that. Yeah. Then the seventh question you say, okay, why isn't that best case scenario happening? Why? Mm. What's your excuse? Whatever comes up is your underlying core. For me, it was, well, it's not happening because I'm out of control with money. I'm a fool with money. I don't understand it. I'm just, I'm a space case. I, whatever I make, I spend, I, I'm a fool with money. That's what came up. Oh, that's why I can't build a successful company. Cause I had this image of myself, this deep underlying belief that I was a fool with money. So no, no wonder I was broke. In fact, deep, mm-hmm. deep, deep in debt. Once you come up with that, a core belief. Come up with it in the simplest words possible. Words a 10-year-old could understand. I'm a fool with money, out of control. Okay, anyone. Then eight, the final, final thing is, what is the affirmation that directly contradicts and counteracts that belief? We got that belief. We were told that belief, or we told ourselves that belief. We're going to start telling ourselves exactly the opposite. What's exactly the opposite? And I came up with I am sensible and in control of my finances. I'm creating total financial success in an easy and relaxed manner, a healthy and positive way, in its own perfect time for the highest good of all. That was my affirmation. That's it. You end up with an affirmation. Affirmations are powerful. They are a powerful force for creating whatever you want in life one of the most powerful things I've found. There's many, many, many other ways. There's many other things. There's there's prayer. There's positive thinking. There's visualization. There's all kinds of things. But in this case, for overcoming the doubts and fears I had around money, it was that affirmation. I'm sensible and in control of my finances. I'm creating total financial success that turned it around. I repeat. I started repeating that constantly. Whenever I'd feel this Anxiety in my stomach, whenever these deep fears would arise, stress around money, I'd just let it go. Cancel, cancel. And I'd say, I'm sensible and in control of my finances. I'm creating total financial success. Within six months, I'd found a distributor that paid us on time. I found the right person to manage and be a my CFO in the company. My chief financial officer came in and showed me how to watch expenses and be profitable. Within a year, we were totally profitable. My first bonus in profits happened to be exactly what my debt was, $65,000. Wow. And I paid off every credit card. It felt great. <laughs> <laughs> so Action Tribe, in an easy and relaxed manner, in a healthy, healthy and positive yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Make sure you use this at the end of all your affirmations. And I'm sure that you will feel much better because when I say this, I'm feeling much better and it's it feels like I've tapped into the flow. So thanks a lot for sharing all these uh, oh, yes. wisdom nuggets with us. You said that 30, the year 
30 when you when you when you <laughs> struck that age you realize that you weren't a kid anymore yeah. uh, which by the way is four months more for me uh-huh. when I'll I'll, st- I'll I'll hit that uh, number but you shared that you're renting an apartment in Oakland not a very good area of that uh, of, of within Oakland but you sort of had to think about your life long range you asked yourself what do I want to do in my life with my life and you remembered a game uh, you know, about imagining your life five years down the line what is my life look like five years down the line. And you did that ideal scene exercise. You thought about your successful publishing company, the beautiful book that you're going to write, the beautiful music that you were going to write, and the fact that you are going to move into an amazing, beautiful home, which I believe is Marin County. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. You shared that last time. And I love the fact that you decided, you made that firm affirmation to define success in your own terms and not listen to some of the rules that people were creating uh, that you need to work, uh, you know, 60, 70 hours per week in order to see success. But you decided to define success in your own terms. Now, one question I have is you, 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 you sort of told us about the ideal scene exercise, right? Five years down the line, imagine what that day would look like. And one of the exercises in the book is about visualizing your life 10 to 15 years down the line, or maybe at the end of your life, right? So I face a little challenge about imagining what my life would look like maybe 15 years down the line or maybe even more than that did you ever face that challenge because five years down the line is comparatively easier for me to maybe imagine but it gets hard when it goes beyond that right uh yeah i never really looked beyond five years i I just i found five years yeah that's a good amount of time to really stretch the imagination so for me anyway that's five the five-year time period works. Perfect. Thanks a lot for that clarification. Now, I just wanted to speak about the topic of money, because I think that uh, sometimes there's a negative stigma attached around money. And during our last interview, you shared that at one point in your life, and you shared that today as well, you were nearly bankrupt. And then you used creative visualization techniques to transform your situation. So how did you deal with your relationship with money? Because I'm sure that 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 changed, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I really took a good look at my beliefs around money. I really did believe in my 20s and into my early 30s, it was hard to make money. It was so hard. I remember it was a struggle. Life was a struggle. There just wasn't Mm -hmm. enough money. That was my deep belief. I I remember when I just started the company, I, I had no money when I started it. It was really started on a total shoestring. I started doing typesetting jobs on the side and yeah. then and then putting it into the publishing company. And um, looking back, I had I developed a really good plan. It was like, I will just continue working on the side and putting the money into the publishing company until the publishing company is up and running and can support itself. So it, it was a, a plan that had you know i didn't have like a fixed amount of money i i had to invest it was this ongoing thing ongoing thing but oh it was such a struggle i remember i i needed a truck because i needed okay. to drive books around and i could not save i i i tried to save a thousand dollars to get a used truck i could not save a thousand dollars i'd save two or three hundred and then i'd need it for something like rent yeah. or you know i'd blow mm-hmm. it i i remember how difficult it was that first startup, saving that first thousand was so challenging for me and so difficult because my deep beliefs around money were that I didn't have enough. I, I was out of control. I was a fool with money. That's really what I believe. And so, like I just said, that's, that's where I really turned it around. That core belief process where okay. I started telling myself, I am sensible and in control of my finances. I am creating total financial success. Even though I was totally struggling and almost bankrupt, my subconscious mind could believe I am creating. Like, yeah. you know, I tell people, so many people do, you don't affirm I'm a millionaire if you're struggling to pay the rent and in debt. You're, I think my theory is your subconscious has to believe what you're affirming. So if you say, I am now creating total financial success. That worked for me. Even if you're totally broke, you can say, okay, I'm, yes, I'm totally broke right now. In fact, I'm deep in debt. I'm Mm -hmm. close to bankruptcy, but 
I'm now creating that you can tell your subconscious, I am now creating total financial success. Your subconscious will say yes to that thought and start showing you the next steps to take. For me, it was so obvious. Get a new distributor. I don't know why it took me six months of not being paid to <laughs> realize I needed somebody else that paid me. They, yeah. they were always going to pay next week, next week, next week. It was, but it never happened. But yeah. I yeah. stayed with them so long, I nearly went bankrupt. When I started affirming, I'm sensible and in control, I, my subconscious said, yes, you're sensible. And suddenly it just, oh, well, the sensible thing to do is get another distributor who pays, mm. who pays yeah. when they sell your books. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, when I go to the About Us page on your website, it reads, over 35 years ago, in the kitchen of a small apartment in Oakland, California, Mark Allen and Shakti Gawain started a publishing firm known as Whatever Publishing to put out into the world a few books and booklets that they had written. It was a shoestring operation, started with very little capital. Total sales in 1977 were $800, which I'm sure is hard to even believe as you are chatting and interacting today. So uh, what were some scenes that went into your ideal scene exercise in 1977? I know you touched on some of them, but if you could elaborate on that a bit, it would be awesome. Oh, <laughs> I, I remember. I The one thing I, I don't really visualize much or clearly, but but I for real estate, I just saw I, just saw I had this big white house on a hill in Marin County with beautiful views and this huge tree in the yard and about that, that, that house that took the longest thing to, to accomplish, but it was actually the only plan I made that absolutely went according to plan for starting a company and for my books and for my music. I made plans and that, that mm -hmm. was the, that was the other step that I invented that I still teach to this day. First, you write your idea scene. Then, yeah. then just make a list of goals, then make goals as affirmations. Then for every major goal you're affirming, I'm now creating a successful publishing company. Over the next week or two, a plan will emerge. And for that plan, write it down on one page of paper. Make a one-page, simple, simple plan for every major goal. Yeah. That's, that's just what I was led to do. That's what I did that worked. Well, for my business and books and music, the plans kept changing and changing and changing. But for, yeah. for my real estate, the plan I wrote the day after I turned 30, I literally sat down and I said, okay, real estate, uh, move to Marin County and rent was step one. Just get out of Oakland, get to that beautiful place and somehow find a place to rent. Then two, buy somehow the cheapest single family home in Marin. I'd read a little about real estate saying, it's best to get into single family homes because they appreciate more than condos. So that was my goal, the cheapest single family home. Then three, hold on to that home until it has enough, until it has appreciated enough so I can take that equity and buy a nice home in a nice place in Marin. And then step four, be in that house enough so that it builds enough equity so I can buy my dream home on a hill, my big white house with a big tree. And that's exactly what happened. It took me about 18 years or something, I think it was, because I rented for two or three years. And then I finally was able to buy literally the least expensive home in Marin County, a little square rectangle, sweet little yeah. thing, you know, <laughs> on, con on a concrete foundation. It was a sweet little house. It was literally in the listings, the least expensive house in Marin County. I got into that. I spent seven years there and then it had really appreciated and I sold it. I took that equity and I bought then a nice, beautiful little house, still three bedroom. It was a nicer house in a nicer area. And I spent about, I think, another seven years there and that built enough I took that equity and I bought my beautiful white house on a hill exactly like I visualized it. It even had the huge tree in the yard and beautiful wow. views. So I love the systematic and organized approach that you had towards this wonderful manifestation. Yes, you did want that big white house on the hill. Uh, with a huge tree in the yard, but then you had a stepwise approach, you know, move to Marin County and rent, buy somehow the cheapest home in that area, and then hold on to that home till the price appreciates, 
and then finally get that big white house. Now, my question is, and you, and you mentioned that it did take a couple of years. What are your thoughts on the phrase overnight success? Because that's thrown around a lot these days. Right. And some of our listeners might have this thing in their mind. You know, I cannot be an overnight success. I don't have it within me. So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, it, it all depends on what you define as success. Mm, yeah. Certainly, the most important part of success is not the money. Very rarely do people become a financial overnight success. I remember when William Macy, the actor, became, they kept calling him an overnight success when he made the movie Fargo. And he said, okay. he said, well, yeah, I was an overnight success, but it took 30 years for that, wow. for that night to happen, you know. <laughs> but it is very important to define what success is for you. And it's money is important. I love what Kent Nurburn says in his great book, Letters to My Son. He says, money is even central to our lives. It, we need it in this society. But it has no central importance whatsoever. Mm -hmm. On the list of what's really important in life, it isn't even it isn't on that list. On a person's yeah. deathbed, no one has ever said, I wish I would have made more money or I wish I would have no. been at the office more. No, 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 no. So in thinking through your success, what really is successful to you? Well, it always gets down to some emotional feeling of peace and fulfillment and mm -hmm. love. And that's the kind of thing you can move into overnight it's, mm -hmm. I often have people, okay, imagine you won the lot lottery. What would you do with it? Well, so many people, oh, they'd, you know, buy the beach house in a tropical island and da, da, da. Okay. Then what would you do if you, for me, for most of us, we don't want to kick back forever. You kick back for a while, maybe yeah. a few months. And then what happens? Then you get you start to want to do something with your life. Okay, what do you want to do? What do you mm -hmm. want to do with all your wealth? Well, I want to contribute to humanity. I want to, I want to do this or that. I want to express myself, whatever it is. Once you think that through, imagining you had $100 million behind you, yeah. then you can look at your financial reality and see how can you move quickly into that same emotional feeling of satisfaction without mm -hmm. money even, or with very little money. Maybe there's a way, you, you don't need $100 million to be successful. Yeah. Maybe you can quickly, and maybe even overnight or in a short period of time, start doing something that really fulfills you. So I love that you spoke about success because so rightly, we each define our own level or way of success, or like you've mentioned, success in, in our own terms. And for a lot of people, or in fact, for most people, success could also mean health uh, and wellness, right? Spending quality oh, yes. time with your friends and family. So does creative visualization help with health-related challenges? Oh, yeah. Because I mean, many of our listeners might be going through certain ailments, maybe certain diseases that they have uh, attracted over the years. So what has been your experience with using creative visualization for health-related challenges? Science is just beginning to understand that our mind really affects every cell of our body. In mm. fact, I saw this great study in Europe where they took a huge group of people and asked right. whether they're optimists or pessimists. And okay. they followed them for years. And it turns out the optimists were far healthier. They were less sick. And their, they re their recover period was way faster. The pessimists were sicker and would stay sick much, much, much longer. That's just our frame of mind. Now, there's people like, um, what's his name? Rick. The, I just heard this Hansen, Rick Hansen. Rick Hansen. Yeah. Yes. The neuro, yeah. the neuroscientist. He was saying exactly what metaphysical people have been saying for thousands of years. I found a book called The Art of True Healing about Western magic when I was 21. And there, they just have you visualize a healing energy at the crown of your head. And then mm. as you slowly exhale, you visualize that just slowly going through your whole body, healing every cell of your body. Well, neuroscientists are now proving that that actually re releases endorphins and things that really do positively affect 
every cell. And you can, mm-hmm. you can contribute a vast amount to your own healing through visualization and breath. Uh, just imagining, using the power of your imagination to imagine you're sending healing energy to every area of your body. It has tremendous healing benefits. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will try out this very technique maybe after this episode or maybe later on during this day because I've tried it and I use it quite often. Even before each and every episode recording, I sort of do this technique just so that I'm in the right frame of mind, in the right state in order to have the conversation. So thanks a lot for sharing. Now, I have to ask this question. One of the techniques you've frequently mentioned is affirmations, which which I think is really powerful. But there are some people who feel that affirmations just don't work for them. So why do you think some people have a hard time seeing results through affirmations? And then for everyone listening to the show right now, could you also tell us the correct way of using affirmations? Well, in my experience, I've really come to believe that basically the universe says yes to every thought or our powerful subconscious mind, whatever you want to call it. There's some great force we are connected with that says yes to every thought. So that's why prayer works. uh, Affirmations work. Positive thinking works. Creative visualization works. Unfortunately, negative thoughts have an effect as well. So when we say, I am now creating the life of my dreams in an easy and relaxed manner, the universe says yes and starts showing us how. Starts showing us the next steps to take and then the next mindset to get into, the next obvious thing to do. But then if our next thought is, oh, but it's so hard to succeed, so few people succeed, the universe says, yes, it's hard for you with that thought. That's exactly the process. Affirmation, it's the power of the spoken word, the power of thought. It's extremely powerful to create whatever we want in life. But we undo it then Mm -hmm. with negative thinking, with limited thinking, with saying, oh, it's so hard. When I hear people, if I know them, I mean, I'll often step into conversations and just say, don't say that. I'll, mm-hmm. I've sometimes done that with total strangers, you know, <laughs> that they say, oh, yeah. this job is killing me. I've, I've jumped. I said, yeah. Don't say that. Don't, you know, that is an, a, a powerful negative affirmation. Or somebody once said, my boss is a pain in the ass. And I said, you want to get hemorrhoids? <laughs> you know, don't, oh, right, 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 don't right. say that. Our words are very powerful for good or ill, which brings us right back to the opening poem. You know, mind is the master power that molds and makes. And we are mind. And everywhere we take the tool of thought and shaping what we will bring forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. We think in secret and it comes to pass. Our world is but our looking glass. That's the power of thought and word. So Action Tribe, in addition to affirmations, you also need to deal with those negative thoughts that stem from you writing down those those affirmations in the first place. Those doubts, those worries, those fears. So that's why maybe you're not seeing those results is you might be missing out on step two of affirmations, which is dealing with those worries as they come out. So thanks a lot for clarifying that. I think that's super profound. And I think that's a lot of value for our listeners. Now, quick question. In part three of the book, Shakti wrote a chapter about meeting your guide. So my question is, do you believe in spirit guides? And if yes, could you talk to us a bit about your experience? Yes, again, I mean, I don't know what's objectively out there. And okay. and I'm I'm hesitant to talk or think even about angels or past lives yeah. or whether our ancestors are really there or what. Who knows? All I know is yeah. what Hamlet said to Horatio, there is far more in heaven and earth than we dream of in our philosophy. I do know that your subconscious mind remembers any kind of fantasy you have mentally if you go on a guided visualization journey in a deeply relaxed state you'll re- yes. you'll remember that just as much as if you take a walk through the woods tomorrow and shakti and i both took a class that was called silva mind control in the 70s they've changed it now to silva something else but it was really good stuff and in there we did relax very deeply took a while to relax from head to toe and then mm. we visualized First, our sanctuary. Visualize a wonderful place where you feel safe. It can be in nature. It can can be a wonderful 
inner temple you create, whatever you want to dream of. You just imagine this inner sanctuary. And then in the distance, you see this light coming and the light turns into a form and it's your spirit guide. And we had about a 20-minute oh, session in that class where then we met our spirit guide. We asked it if it had a name. And all of us did. You know, just imagine. It's something, uh, if you, it's not something you just like passively see. Or if you don't passively see it, you can actively imagine it. So I imagined. I imagined this thing. And I met my guide and he's a great character and he's been very helpful to me over the years. Wow. And that, so you remember that guided thing, that just pure imagination. If you want to look at it that way, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. remember it as well, as much as some vacation you've taken in reality. And, That's true. and so it can <laughs> affect your life. If, if you just imagine a spirit guide and then if you have questions, you ask the guide question, and then you imagine some answers. Those answers are coming from a place in you that's beyond your normal rational mm-hmm. mind and your normal thinking processes. And that can be invaluable advice to you. It's a beautiful thing to imagine a spirit guide. Thanks a lot for sharing that. Now, uh, Mark, you mentioned that your company had humble beginnings, right? You started uh, your company small, but now you have published some of the most successful books uh, in the world, in this space especially. But were there any challenges you faced when trying to scale things up for newer library to get it to where it's now? Because I think that's what a lot of conscious entrepreneurs face, right? Is scaling things up to a whole new level. So what what uh, advice do you have in that respect? <laughs> well, we just slowly built. I always had the feeling uh, one step would lead to another. I never had to take some huge leap or take a huge risk or anything. I always tell people, don't, don't bet the farm on something. Uh, mm-hmm. I just slowly built it. And it, so it, I, I just learned to watch expenses and get to a place as soon as possible where your income exceeds your expenses. And then we just kept open. I just kept open to finding beautiful books. Agents and authors keep asking me, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And <laughs> all I can say is we just publish what we love. Mm-hmm. Could be anything. But somebody in the company really has to love it. Now, my final question is, you've been in the spiritual new age publishing space for so many years now. How has the spiritual community in North America changed over the years? Have you noticed some differences? Uh, sure. It's definitely grown. When when we first published Creative Visualization, I remember yeah. the two chains then were Walden and B. Dalton, the little stories, you know. And, okay. <laughs> and they put it in their occult section. And I remember arguing with B. Dalton Buyer, the first convention I went to. I, the B. Dalton Buyer came by and I said, <laughs> you put creative visualization in occult. It's not mm. occult. Occult means hidden. It seems right. to me, occult knowledge, yeah, it's hidden from the man. I says, this is not hidden. It's general. It's for the general population it's for mainstream yeah and they said well they didn't have any other place to put it so a few years later they finally developed a new age and then a personal growth and mm. more and more books then came along that fit there and finally after 25 years creative visualization a big chunk of it was excerpted in cosmo magazine cosmopolitan wow. and i remember <laughs> Holding that magazine up and saying, mission accomplished. You can't get more mainstream than Cotton yeah. Magazine. Mission yeah. accomplished. Our work is mainstream. Eckhart Tolle, Power of Now, is, you know, Oprah got behind it. And it is reaching people all over the world, millions of people. And that's how it's changed. It has become far more popular in mainstream. And that's the goal, to to reach enough people to to really make some significant changes in this world. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 195. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 195. 
So Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed this session as much as I have. Now, as you think about implementing some of the ideas you learned in your life as well, you might come across certain roadblocks. For example, your mind might start posing questions to you, questioning the possibility of you achieving your vision. You might ask you, are you smart enough? Do you have your finances? Do you have the connections? Do you have the determination? And after listening to all those questions, you might begin to doubt yourself and question whether you are ready for greatness. Remember that this is natural and that it happens to everyone. It's just your mind trying to keep you within your comfort zone and away from danger. You need to have faith in the process and as we're learning today, do the work to train your subconscious mind because that's where the transformative power lies. Through affirmations, through journaling, through visualization and other powerful techniques, you will slowly and surely begin the process of attracting your grand vision. But you need to have faith and take one step at a time. One step at a time is something that will really make uh, a tremendous uh, impact in your life. And if you ever doubt whether you are creative enough, read out this quote by Mark Allen himself, which states, we are powerfully creative beings. When we focus our conscious mind on a dream or goal, our limitless subconscious mind gets to work and shows us step by step how to reach that goal. So I think that's a fabulous quote. Thanks a lot for writing it in one of your books. And uh, with that, Mark, we've arrived at the last round for today, the wisdom round. And I know we did this round last time as well, but since it's been about a year since we last chatted, I'm sure we'll learn something new from you as well. So are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> what is the best advice or one of the best advices or best pieces of advice that you've ever received from someone? Mm. Mind is the master power that molds and makes. And we are mind and evermore we take the tool of thought and shaping what we will bring forth a thousand joys, a thousand ills. Wonderful. So name a personal habit that keeps you going every day. Mm. I'm totally undisciplined. But I do get up in the morning, I wander out into the sun or the rain or whatever, and I give thanks. I give thanks for this day and for life itself. Beautiful. So, Mark, these days, what is your morning routine like? Or maybe since you mentioned that you're not a morning person, maybe you can talk to us about your evening routine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do start each day uh, whenever I get up. I never have an alarm clock or anything to do before. Yeah one o'clock or so but i do start each day walking outside breathing deep stretching my arms up and saying thank you thank you universe for my life thank you for the healing life energy in every cell of my body thank you for this day beautiful thanks for sharing now name a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today mm -hmm. the magical path we talked uh, my book the magical path we talked about healing before, and there's. I wanted to mention there's a great chapter on healing, the power of healing, and how this simple meditation can heal body and mind. Beautiful. We'll add that in the show notes. Action Tribe, I know how much you love our book recommendations, and I know that many of you purchase these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show, and that's where audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their amazing service. Now, Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, and Kindle, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash MSC. Once again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash MSC for your free audiobook. Boy, The Magical Path is on Audible too. The entire book and within there, there's some very powerful guided meditations. Superb. So Action Tribe, you know exactly what to do next to grab your book, The Magical Path. So Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Before you go, tell us something that you're super grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online. I'm grateful for the life energy that flows through every cell of our body and connects us with the entire universe we're amazing miraculous forces of creation and we're able to create 
with that force. The force flows through us. We are the force. I'm eternally grateful for that. What was the second part? Uh, how can we find you online? Oh, thank you. Uh, MarkAllen.com, M-A-R-C-A-L-L-E-N.com is my website, and they can connect to there. My music is on there, too. That's at watercoursemedia.com, but you can get to it through markallen.com. Perfect. And Action Tribe, since we've been talking about the book Creative Visualization so much today, it's the 40th anniversary, so Mark Allen and the New World Library has been kind enough to give Action Tribe a discount for this uh, particular book, Creative Visualization. So if you want to grab that book, grab your own copy, then you need to go to newworldlibrary.com, search for Creative Visualization, use the promo code seven chakras that's either seven the digit chakras or seven the word seven chakras it's not case sensitive but if you use these uh, promo codes you'll get a 30 percent discount on your own copy that will be shipped to you so thanks a lot uh, mark for giving us this discount uh, thank you for talking to us about creative visualization and taking us one step closer to a human revolution thank you aj for your wonderful show listening to my seven chakras go to my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com download your free gift get inspired and take action transform your life today